Hey, hey, it's Pablo, your Chief Executive Connector. Welcome to the show. Today is a good one. I brought my buddy Kurt Stein on because A, he's a stud entrepreneur that's built a business from scratch that's crushing, and B, we are working on putting together an awesome charity spike ball tournament in Jacksonville to support Groundworks Jacks that's making this awesome urban trail to downtown. If you haven't heard about spike ball, it's basically like a four square and volleyball had a baby and it's the most fun you can have on the beach. We've become obsessed with it. He put together a tournament for it last year that ended up being like the most fun thing ever. And now we're doing round two and we're going huge. So we're talking about Kurt's career. We're talking about spike ball and this like awesome community of spike ballers here in Jacksonville that I would love for you to be a part of. And we're talking about the upcoming tournament. I would love, 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 love. If you're in Jacksonville or if you're close to Jacksonville, Come to the tournament on May 8th. I'm going to put everything in the show notes. You're going to have so much FOMO hearing us talk about how much fun it's going to be, but enjoy this conversation. It's packed with value of how you can take control of your career, of your entrepreneurial journey, and how you can take control of making an impact in your community. Listen to Kurt. He's the man. Enjoy. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now if you want to learn how to get to know people get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Dude, how did you, what was your... When you did the spike ball tournament last year, what was the aha moment that made you decide to just throw that thing together? So really interesting, actually. So I was down in Ocala with a friend of mine, Jake, and this was kind of like middle COVID, right? So COVID's going on and I hadn't really been doing much. No one has really been doing much for quite some time. And so I went down there spent a weekend with him and we went out to, you know, we were doing all kinds of things that weekend, you know, kayaking, we went out, had some drinks, whatever. And it was kind of like, you know, there's people still doing things like, you know, we can do things, you know, as long as we're safe. And then I think that previous weekend before that, we were out playing spike ball at the beach with a handful of people. And it was kind of just like, why don't we just put together like a spike ball tournament? And uh, I mean, it was literally just uh, a thought. And then, Usually like how, when I get stuck on something, it's just full on hundred percent towards that. And uh, yeah, that was kind of like the inspiration for it. So really just an idea like, Hey, let's throw a spike ball tournament. 
And then it kind of morphed into, Hey, let's raise some money for charity. You know, if we can even get a tournament going, which obviously we did and yeah. it was super fun, super successful. So yeah. it was good. When I saw you doing it, I was like, this is awesome. And then when I, and then I was like, I'm totally going to get a hundred percent behind this and like promote the shit out of this. Cause I think it's sweet. Yeah. And then when I show up, I was like, this is really impressive. <laughs> you know, like you really <laughs> did put together. I mean, there was like a hundred people showed up that day, man. Like not, not yeah. a lot of people can just pull a hundred people together for a day for whatever the events. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was only like a couple months in the making. So it wasn't like super well organized or planned out, but like, yeah, it ended up being amazing. Probably about a hundred people showing up, but it's also, I mean, like, I mean, it took some work to kind of bug all my friends and network for a couple of weeks, couple of months straight. Hey, sign up for this tournament, sign up, sign up. Eventually we finally got all the spots filled. And then at the end, it was funny. So like, it, it seemed like nobody was signing up for the first like couple of weeks. And I was like, ah, maybe we'll just like can this whole thing and not do it. And then the last like two weeks, it was just like crazy. I guess the word had gotten out. And the last week was, uh, yeah, it was like a bunch of people wanting to play, but then we were already filled up. So, yeah. So was it, was it hand-to-hand combat? Were you just like one-to-one texting people? Did you ever like, I mean, some people showed up from like out of town, but there's that one were just like, they weren't in your network. Like those guys just showed up because they find out about a spike ball tournament, right? Like what, how much, what percentage of the people that played were like from hand-to-hand combat, you texting somebody and then being a one-off of somebody that you know, and what percentage was random? Probably mostly like hand-to-hand combat. I mean, just texting people and then like, I mean, I'm, I'm big on social media, so I would post on there. You know, it's probably just people that saw it and then shared it with their friends and whatnot. So, yeah. That's impressive, man. Like not a lot, like just uh, out of somebody that like fancies himself a networking or a connector, anybody that can put a hundred people together in under two months really impresses me. dude. <laughs> like, and it was cool. <laughs> like, it was- <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I guess like, I mean, I don't organize a whole lot of stuff, but like I did kind of grow up as like that person that I always ran our fantasy fo- football league. And yeah. if there was a guys getting together to play basketball down the street, I'd always be like shooting out the 15 text messages. And yeah. I still kind of am that person today. And, and I know you kind of are too, totally. obviously, but like I, I just started organizing like a, a golf get together where there's, you know, we're getting four or five tee times and just going out and playing on a Saturday once a month. Yeah, And so I don't know, I've just like found that like getting people together is, is good. And obviously, you know, that too. So there's, there's benefits for everybody. I mean, I, I think honestly, like now there's some selfish pieces to it. And there's also like a community, you know, building the community up and just making community. But like, I just feel like when, once everybody kind of hits their thirties, everyone is kind of, you lose some friends right over time and and you probably have like your few like close best friends, but I think people generally like, like guys will generally stop hanging out with other guys as you get older. Maybe just have like your few people that you're talking to or or friend, you know, friends with. But I think like the spike ball group, the golf thing that we're doing stuff like that. I mean, it's awesome. Like Dude, fight, night, fight night was that for me, right? Like fight night was yeah, my yeah. first time of just like, man, I've been here for like a year and a half. This is cool. How can I just aggregate a bunch of dudes? Yeah. And, and that was awesome. I guess that was like the first time that we really met, started getting to know each other. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But, but I don't think that there's anywhere near enough of that. Like Agreed. I, I would bet that most people are sitting, you know, on their couch watching Netflix on a Friday night 
especially now with COVID. But I think just when people get older and they have, you know, wife and kids and families, you generally stop socializing as much as you used to. So. Yeah, I agree with that, man. I, I definitely agree with that. I think, I think having young kids really knocks you out the game for a minute, right? Like, like it's real hard when you have like a kid or two under four and people are just like, Oh, I gotta get a nanny for this. Right. Like, like I think, I think so that once you get into your thirties and people start to enter that range, right. Cause I'm, I'm now 40. Right. So like I've seen the the rise and fall of it all. I think that knocks you out. And I just, I just think in general, most people live a corporate life that sucks their soul and like leaves them <laughs> beaten and bloody and they just don't yeah. have the energy to put it in. Right. So like, yeah. I think it is, I think it is upon us like high energy kind of like relationship driven people. You know, I think this is just as valuable for women as well. Right. Like I think, sure. I think women also go through that same cycle as well to seek that, bring that, to bring that together, man. I totally, I totally, totally agree. Right. Like people, tend to lose their identity a little bit at a certain point in the early years of marriage and having a kid. Sure. And I think, I think guys like you and I that are high energy and don't have the kids yet can, can always drive that agenda of like, all right, let's just create the, create the environment for people to just hang out and connect and whatever. And to your point, there is a, there's a higher demand for it than there is a supply for it. So like, on a selfish level, the person supplying it ends up becoming a very influential person within that group of people as, as somebody that's adding value to people's lives. Right. I agree. Yeah, man. Yeah. How, how old are you? I just turned 30. You just turned 30. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so most of the friends, I mean, there's people are starting to have kids and families and, and things. So it's definitely changing a little bit last few years. And like, I mean, for me, as, as, you know, as I started this business three and a half years ago, my life has changed dramatically since then. So I know the first like two years of that business was just, you know, pounding the pavement and just work, work, work all day long. And it still is to an extent, but thankfully, you know, we're, we're, we've grown to the point where, you know, I don't have to be out there all day, every day working 18 hours a day, just grinding. So. Yeah. yeah, man. I, th- I think in a very real sense, starting a business is like having a newborn, right? Like yeah. you really, you really are sure. completely obsessed with it forever, right? Like the same way that a parent can't turn their, their brain off when their kid's out at the movies with their friend or sleeping over. So like, true. the business is the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess you say, Hey, this is my baby for a reason. Right. And, and yeah. I mean, for me, that's a hundred percent what it feels like. Yeah, when I go to bed at night, I can't stop thinking about my baby. When I wake up in the morning, unfortunately, sometimes that's you know the first thing that I think about is just like the business and you know what is the next step so that we can keep progressing and keep growing and adding more value to people's lives ultimately is is the goal. So yeah, totally, man. Like I I I feel that for sure. So tell me how big is your business, man? So you are it's it's a home inspection house scan, right? Yep. Correct. How, how big how big is that footprint of your business? So at this point, we are eight employees going on nine. And mm-hmm. so we're a team of seven inspectors and one full-time office administrative person. And, and then yeah, we're about to bring on our eighth inspector and then hopefully just keep growing. So yeah, we started about three and a half years ago as kind of uh 
you know, a way to improve upon home, the, the home inspection service just in general. Myself and so my wife and her family, we were all kind of out to dinner one night talking about home inspections. And there was a lot of complaints, a lot of, you know, things that people thought could be done better. And so that was kind of like a light bulb moment. My wife's dad basically said, hey, Kurt, you know, I, at that time, I was kind of taking some time off of work, working my butt off for the, you know, the corporate in the corporate world for I think five, six years at that point. And I took some time off to travel and yeah, that, that conversation came up and it was kind of just like that light bulb moment and Hey, there's some opportunity here and just went after it. So, and fast forward three and a half years and whole lot of work, whole lot of late, you know, late nights and problem solving, finding the right people. And it's honestly just like, it's been so fun growing something and uh, yeah, kind of making an, an impact and just all, all together has been amazing. Ups and downs though. There's obviously in anything, there's like, you know, bad days and days that you wish why in the world did I do that, you know, start doing this. But in general, I mean, it's, it's awesome. And I wouldn't change it at all. At what, at what point, when was the last time you thought to yourself, maybe I should just go get a job, man. (laughs) Like, like at what Um, point did that turn off? Did that turn off by end of year two yet? Honestly, I mean, pretty quickly after starting the business, I, yeah, like luckily I had put myself in a position to where I didn't need to go get a job for at least a year after starting the the home inspection business. Mm-hmm. Had a couple of rental properties with some residual money coming in. And just in general, I've always been like a saver, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of money. Yep. And so I, I kind of put myself in a good position to where I, I knew that I could have some time and not go back and work for, you know, the, the man and just make it work. And yeah, I mean, like, like failure wasn't really an option. So it was kind of like, I'm never really going back to the corporate world. So it was just like, and it's been everything that I've always done my entire life, which is just like work really hard until you get to a certain spot. Maybe take a minute, look back and, hey, this is this is great. But like, I don't know, I, I enjoy working. Like, I don't, I don't think I'll ever like retire in a sense that, you know, a lot of people want to work till they're 65 and go sit on a beach and drink cocktails. But I just, I really enjoy solving problems, growing something, you know, at least at this point in my life. So I don't think I'll ever go back, work for somebody else, unless it was like a crazy, incredible opportunity working for somebody that I really, really wanted to work for. So. All right. So everything that you described is like, super foreign to me as a personality trait for myself, right? Like the, the idea of just like loving working and grinding is something that I'm literally just starting to learn because I've, you know, gone real hard at creating a scenario where I love exactly what I do every single day all the time. Cause I've designed this business this way. Right. But like, it sounds right. like you were like that in school, you were like that in college, you were like that in your professional life. And now you're like that as a, as an entrepreneur, what do you, first of all, am I right there? Or like, was there a moment that that happened? Like, what do you think forms somebody of your motor? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I've always been this way. So like, I mean, I always, I I don't want to, I mean, my wife would probably call me a workaholic. Most people would probably call me that to me. Like I, I genuinely enjoy it. Like I, I like working on whatever the problem is or whatever, you know, the issue is and Mm -hmm. problem solving and making things better, adding value. I don't know. Like, like Gary V always says, like, like love the process, enjoy the process. 
it's kind of like where I'm at. I mean, I, I love it. Like I, it's, I don't know. That's enviable, bro. That's fucking yeah. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> like, so do you have like, are there any stories of you like as a six year old being obsessed with finishing something or anything like that? Like, is there like, at what point does that, was that piece of you being a problem solver show? Did you play competitive chess or something? Not competitive chess. I mean, I, I competed in sports growing up, bunch of different sports, always did that growing up. I mean, I don't know. I have a really terrible memory. So like, I don't remember any like specific moments in time, but like, I mean, I, I was always similar, like just really driven, really hardworking. I don't know. I, I like, I remember just back in, I don't know, like second grade, I think they called it like a presidential um, fitness program or something where everybody kind of competed against one another. And there was like one, it was like a flexed arm hang, right. Where everyone just like sits there above the, the chin up bar and see how long you can hold it. And most people were done in like a couple minutes and I would sit there and hold it for like, just compete against myself. Right. Like hold it for like 45 minutes or an hour, like whatever it was. And I don't know, that's kind of like my first memory way back in the day of me just competing and being driven and just always trying to, to do better. Just outworking somebody else. <laughs> What's that? Just out efforting somebody. That's the first, that's the first memory yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. that's interesting, man. What what are your what are your parents like, man? Like I know you grew up in Pittsburgh, right? Like I picture I yeah. picture Pittsburgh as just like Rust Belt Town where like people are greedy and work, right? Like is that kind of like what you grew up seeing? Yeah, I mean, so we grew up middle class in Pittsburgh, just outside of like the city. And parents were amazing, still are amazing. They're still here. They awesome. live in North North Carolina. And uh, no, I mean, my, my dad worked at like a, uh, supply chain company kind of, I think he was like employee number 10 when he left and retired a couple of years ago, he was like, you know, there was 500 of them. So he, he was with that company for many years. My mom never worked, but I mean, my, or, well, she did work until she had us and then full-time parent. So it was myself. I have a twin brother and then we have an older brother. So three boys kind of growing up. Definitely a full-time job for her. You have a twin brother. Okay. Yeah. So is your twin brother also as tenacious and competitive or does he have a, a different personality? So, I mean, we, we definitely have a lot in common, but very, very different. It's kind of crazy. We're fraternal twins and we don't look alike. Very different personalities. Yeah. I mean, different views on the world, politically, just, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty stark contrast there. Interesting. Um, yeah. That's super interesting. And especially like, like as we've gotten older, we've, we've really developed our own sort of like persona. Definitely. What, what about that? What about that work ethic gene? Does he have that too? He does. I mean, yeah, Kyle's extremely talented, really smart, but I don't know if he's as driven as I am. Yeah. Okay. To be completely honest, I think he'd probably agree. Yeah. 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 But he, I mean, man, he's got, he's got so many good things. I mean, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I always find that twin brothers are savages up until a certain point in their life. Like when's the last time you guys punch each other in the face? Like, I feel like, I feel like man. every twin brother like grows up just beating the shit out of each other. Right. You- so, so I just got married in November. He gave an incredible speech during our Stephanie and my wedding. Yeah. And one of the the points that he brought up or one of the stories that he brought up was, when I was drunk in college, we, we both went to Penn State, and I guess I headbutted him when I was really drunk and made his nose bleed. 
and everybody in the room thought it was just about the funniest story ever. That was probably the last time. And then it's, it's been pretty, honestly, we never really fought. I mean, there, there was a handful of times where we were really at each other's throats and, you know, throwing fists and, and all of that. But that was the last time that was what, 10, 10 years ago or so. So yeah. yeah. It's I, like I asked this, like I, I lean into this question now with like guys that are have twin brothers. Cause I, I literally was just at this, the last con- one of the, the penultimate conference I went to before the world shut down, uh, like the podcast movement in LA, mm-hmm. I was hanging out with these two, these two brothers that podcast together that are like in this, like they run this incubator program at NYU. And I like, and I asked the same question. He's like, dude, like I just, they're a little bit younger, right? They're probably like 27, 28. And there's like, man, I just, now with my girlfriend, <laughs> we were all, we're all together and I he punched me in the face and it really freaked her out. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like this, this idea that like, as a house full of guys that are just the same age, you just right. grow normalizing the amount of like violence that you can be with each other. Cause just as a bunch of dudes, you know? For um, sure. For sure. Yeah. That's yeah, really- yeah. So my wife, she grew up with all girls. So yeah. Very, very different, different dynamics. Super different dynamic, right? Yeah. That's funny, man. So one of the, when you first stood out to me was when you posted about having walkable cities, right? Like I was like, oh, okay, this dude, this dude gets it, (laughs) right? When did, when did you start, when did you start kind of formulating your idea of the necessity for walkable communities? Good question. I, I feel like I've done a decent amount of traveling, just at least here in the U.S. and abroad in a handful of countries. And there's not like a single like moment that I look back and was like, oh man, this is the aha moment of how a city needs to be designed or how life needs to be. But I don't know, just, yeah, many different experiences kind of all led up to that. And I think when I made that Facebook post, it was living in Jacksonville for probably six or seven years at that point. And, you know, as a business owner and like, somebody that, you know, I'm trying to make a positive change in the community that was, it continued to be like something that would come up in the back of my mind. Like, why is our downtown area so stagnant and just not like a, you know, Nashville or in Austin or Chicago, LA, like just all these other cities that have so much to offer. And there's a lot here, but I don't know. It just hasn't, developed into this incredible, vibrant, thriving downtown area. And I also, you know, I think at that time I had moved closer to, to the downtown area. So it's just kind of on my mind. And that Yellowbird group is just an incredible community of real estate people and business owners. And I mean, just all kinds of people that have a ton of influence in Jacksonville. And so I figured I would kind of start a conversation and see if there's like anything that, that any of us could do to just kind of you know, take some sort of action. But yeah, a lot of times I like that. That's probably a good example of where, I mean, I haven't taken, taken a ton of action. I hope to take more and more action in that, in that space over, you know, over the years and over time, but really bugs me when people talk about a lot of things and then don't take action. So yeah, I mean, I want to be a person that that is going to take the action and, and actually make change in the community and make people's lives better. So that's awesome, man. What have you, since you started, 
So, so what do you think? So, all right. So you're somebody that wants to take action. You care about walkable communities. You're putting together a, a second spike ball tournament. And now we're donating this to uh, groundwork jacks. Groundwork jacks. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all full circle in a sense that you know, I guess I am kind of making some action towards that, that goal. But yeah. So started planning the second spike ball tournament this year. We had a charity last year that we donated money to, but it didn't, it was kind of like we just picked a charity out of a hat. It didn't really have like any specific meaning to any of us that were, that were planning the tournament. And so, yeah, in our, in our spike ball group, I had put it out there and said, Hey, does anybody have a charity that they'd like the money to, to go to? And then Alex said, Alex Focus, he said, you know, it should be something that you're passionate about and, and it, that you want to make a positive change. And I had never really put any thought, you know, I, I'm not one that's donated a lot of money in the past. I've never really put a whole lot of thought into that. And so he said that and it got me kind of thinking like, okay, what do I care about? Kind of took me back to that whole, what can we do to, you know, improve the economic, social, and just improve people's lives in Jacksonville. So yeah, that got me thinking. Groundwork Jacks, I don't know where I saw them. It might have actually, I actually think it was you that you had told me about the Emerald Trail and how yeah, I'm talking, ground, I'm talking about the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had, I we think had you were the first one that, yeah, yeah, you were the first one that brought that up. That I thought that was amazing, you know, to connect all the different parks and areas of downtown and make them more walkable, more bikeable. I think that that improves people's lives tremendously. So, economically, socially, health, you know. So, yeah, definitely started researching into that, looking into that. Thought it was amazing. Groundwork Jacks is the organization that was kind of spearheading that, making that go. And so I thought that that was a perfect opportunity to get some money and put it behind them. And then I guess come to find out, I guess everyone else in the spike ball group kind of thought that was an awesome idea as well. And I guess Alex, I guess he's, is he on their board or does he, he supports them some, some sort of way. Some way. I don't know. I don't don't know what he, he's, he's definitely connected in there somehow, right? Like uh, he's doing something about it, but yeah, I think, I think so. Alex was just like, "Yeah, Groundwork Jacks is probably a good initiative," and I was like, "Oh yeah, the Urban, the, the the Emerald Trail, right?" Like we did a we did a whole episode. So two things, right? Like number one, I had this client that is a land use attorney that has exposed me to what is called trail oriented development, right? Like this idea, he's become kind of an expert in this because he's on the board of Friends of the Underline, which is the groundwork jacks of Miami, right? Like Miami's getting this linear park called the underline that runs underneath the Metro rail. And he's on the board of that. And because of that, we did this episode about the underline. And then, and then, you know, because of that, we've, he's also like super into Greenville that has also been this like pioneer in urban trails. Yeah. And he goes to like the urban trail conference once a year. Right. So I've gotten like super educated on that stuff. So I, I pitched Greg to on the Not Your Average Investor show, let's have him on to talk about the Emerald Trail, right? So sure. so it was one of those, like, let's bring it all together here sure. uh, in uh, across my clientele and the stuff that I believe in, right? Because I'm very much an urbanist and in, into this stuff, right? Like I lived, I lived this like renaissance of the Wynwood neighborhood in Miami, mm-hmm. where that is now one of the, like the hippest neighborhoods in the in the world. Sure. And, and I got there as it was already super cool, but not very livable. And I lived there for five years. It became very livable. And cool. one of the things that happened there was somebody created this thing called the Winwood Yard, which became this like 
semi-private public space event men, event venue, outdoor beer garden, uh, food truck, kind of like food hall, right? Very similar to what Evan's building right now in, in Springfield. And that also was paired with how Winwood started, which was this semi-private public space where this guy, Tony Goldman, got a bunch of muralists to make a bunch of murals. And, th- and that created this like walkable kind of like, you know, public spaces became very valuable to me. Like I was like, dude, if this thing didn't happen, like nobody would have known that they needed it, but look at the demand for like, in just like two right. classes, like semi-private public, just because, right? Like they become this like great equalizer of society where everybody can interact and exchange ideas and, and, and whatever. Right. And yeah. I, and, and, and it really landed for me when I went to Mexico city and I saw, you know, like Mexico city is just like, like I think Mexico city is the Rome of the Americas, right? Like it's got like all these like plazas and grand public spaces and great dining and whatever. And it's very like from that, it's the oldest city in the, you know, like in the Americas, it's from that time, you know, like right, it's right. From a really early time. And I saw that happening and I was like, bro, this is like that, that got me really passionate about while my wife was doing a master's in urban design. Okay. Right. So, so that got me super passionate about public spaces, man. And I, and I just think, at once, once Steve turned me on to this like trail oriented development and we, and we interviewed the mayor of Greenville and, and the, like the head of parks and rec in Greenville that runs the swamp rabbit trail, they were just spitting out these insane ROI numbers, man. Like this, like public private partnership funded stuff. That's just like sick ROI on, you know, like a, like a eight month payback kind of thing. And then beyond that, it's like, it, it, it just generates all this revenue and all this economic mm-hmm. impact that I'm just, I very much think that what Groundworks Jacks is doing in the Emerald Trail is like the singular most valuable thing we could do for the city, for sure. the urban core to, to, to then incentivize more of this like walkable community stuff, man. So mm-hmm. I, I love that we're supporting Groundworks Jacks. I think this is awesome. Good. Awesome. Yeah, man. So, all right. So now you've realized you're actually taking action to exactly what you're, to what you're doing, right? Right. Sure. When you think about a guy that wants to make an impact on this community, how big have you thought about it? Like, have you, like, have you, do you have daydreams of being mayor of Jacksonville? Do you have like daydreams of having a park named after you? Like how big have you thought about it already? No, not, no, not like that at all. Honestly, for me, I'm very much like tunnel vision. You know, how can I get through today and make a good impact today in my business and you know, everything else. I am not much of a long-term strategic planner or thinker. So very much like, you know, live in the moment today and, you know, solving problems right now, but I don't, I don't think too, too long-term. That's so interesting, man. You yeah. and me couldn't be more opposite, right? Like, like never, that's like, funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. But it's, I think this is, I think this is why we get along so well. Like I think we've sure. in really well together right like this is cool yeah i I don't don't know it's funny like i I just am not a planner i mean if i'm if i'm gonna eat dinner tonight it's like you know figuring out where we're gonna go while we're on the way to a restaurant right it's very rarely planning things out ahead of time which you know i I, obviously everyone says it's like terrible you know that's no way to run a business or you know live your life but i feel like it's worked pretty well so far. but scoreboard bro (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, man, I think that's interesting. I, I, I think that there is a, you know, real value to being able to do it like that. And then the moment that you decide, all right, I've reached a certain like 
level that I can't get beyond. And then all you got to do is do that to get to another level. It's so obvious, right? Like <laughs> I, I, for me, for me, that piece has been discipline. Like I've been always very, very good strategically and getting, getting, getting pretty high based on like talent kind of thing without having to sure. put it all together. And then the discipline piece has really come in for me in this last year when I'm like, all right, man, I'm really like working on something that I, that this is like the purpose of my life. And I have all this energy. Now I have all this work ethic because I'm so aligned with it. Mm-hmm. So the discipline is starting to come much easier to me when I'm just like, all right, well, I'm only going to get it to here if I don't also build that piece in. So I got to build in the discipline to get that to here. Right. So like, I, I would assume that at some point in your life, you're going to be like, you're like maxing out on whatever. And then you're going to naturally go more into planning mode based on, yeah. based on yeah, I mean, I'm definitely kind of getting there now to where like for, you know, my home inspection business, it's, it's putting everybody into place. Like now we've got, and there was kind of like always a, a general feel idea of like how we're going to get to a certain point. And our, our ultimate vision isn't just to be in Jacksonville, it's to open up offices throughout the state. And so, you know, to get there, I knew that I'm not going to be the one that's going to go out to Tampa or Orlando or whatever it is go start the office the exact same way that we did it here. You know, I'm training people now and giving that, you know, basically we're developing the playbook now and, and building, you know, the guys up on the team now to where they can go out and move, you know, in a couple of years down to Orlando or Tampa or whatever it is and start their own office and basically just copy and paste our playbook and what we've done here to be successful. So, yeah, I mean, Right now where we're at is we've, we've kind of built the team to where like personally, I don't have to be out in the field every single day, knocking out inspections that kind of happened. I don't know, five, six months ago, right before our wedding. And I was kind of like, I need to put like, for me, my, my big roadblock was I would proofread all the reports from five o'clock till midnight every single night. And so we finally took somebody on the team that has an incredible eye for detail, comes from the insurance world, and plugged them into like a, a quality assurance proofreading rule. And so that individual is now now is proofreading all the reports. And so that you know took that off my plate. We've got an incredible inspector on the team that is a thousand times better than I am. And I think he's probably the best in the city. We've plugged him into like a training manager role. So that, you know, he's training everybody that comes on now after, you know, from here on out and is getting them closer to his level, which is just, I mean, it's crazy how good he is and, and how good he's making everybody else. And yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're almost fully sufficient at this point to where I could go, you know, leave for a month and, and, and the team would be just fine. So that's, that's been great. But then, so going forward from here, it's, it's, yeah, it's continuing to build on it, continuing to work every day and not really getting complacent and just staying driven. Cause I think it is easy now to kind of sit back. I mean, especially like since the wedding, we've been on a couple little vacations and, you know, it's, it's kind of nice, but I don't know. I always get kind of get reset and just get back into the, the grind and keep growing and building. So eventually, I mean, it'll become a full-time planning and strategic thinking, but kind of getting there. Yeah. And you'll probably approach that with the same gusto once it becomes, that's the task, right? Yeah. Which is cool. That's interesting, man. 
you know, cause I, I and, and again, I'm just, I, I was asking this cause I see a guy like you who is so well-natured, you are aware of like the impact of community and whatever, right? Like, I, listen, dude, I didn't, I didn't start tapping into any of this stuff till I was like 29, right? Like it was at 20, it was at 29 that I started that Habitat Young Professionals group for Habitat for Humanity. And that, and at that point, like it set me on this whole nother trajectory of like, you know, I was, I had as many roles in organizations around the city that weren't my job as Alex Safakis does kind of thing. Right. Like, like that, that type of stuff. And I think that you are, you are like right at the age and right at the same outlook that I had when I started with that stuff, man. So like, I think it'd be interesting. I think it'd be interesting. Like I'm, I'm pretty certain that I'm going to do either leadership jacks or this, or this program called connect Florida, which is like the leadership jacks, but statewide. Okay. I think it'd be really interesting to do it with you. Like, I'm not going to do it until like 2022, Okay. but I think it'd be really fun to like, it's a major accelerator of just like plugging into the roots of where you can create the influence and, you know, how the system works so that your brain that is a, you know, a machinating brain, like, can like start being like, oh, well, what did I tinker with this over here mm-hmm. outside of, outside of just like the immediate kind of thing, man, I think it'd be really, really powerful for you to do. I think that'd be an interesting cool. thing. I mean, sounds, sounds cool. I'd like, like to check it out. Yeah. I figured, I figured, I figured you'd be into that, man. Cool, man. So then let's talk about, let's talk about the tournament, the tournament coming up right now, then, man. It's, it's yeah. what, May, May 14th. What is it again? So it's May 8th. Last year we did a 32 team. Uh, so two people per team. So 32 team, 64 people total spike ball tournament. So last year was a double loss elimination tournament, which was awesome, but probably a little bit more difficult than it needs to be. So this year we we doubled the size. We're doing 64 teams, 128 uh, total participants, and then it's going to be a single loss elimination tournament. So probably like a three to four hour thing out of the beach, Jack's Beach, same spot as last time. And yeah, all the money is going to Groundwork Jack's like we talked about. And I think so far we have 10 or 11 sponsors. We've raised about $5,000, a nice little chunk of change going to them. And yeah, honestly, just, it is such a good time. Like getting out there playing spike ball, the weather hopefully is going to be better this year. We got <laughs> rained on a little bit last year, but like just meeting new people again, having a good time, networking, getting to see some, some of your buddies out there, you know, you and the rest of the spike ball guys is, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, a, I, a I think time. it's going to be so freaking awesome, dude. Like I, 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 that last one was so good and you just threw it together and now you got like a whole team of guys working on this thing too. Yeah. To, really cool i think it's i think it's going to be super super fun the sponsorships i think is sweet we're going to make awesome t-shirts like we're we're gonna we're gonna make like we have a sweet logo we're gonna make the coolest t-shirts of an event possible right Mm -hmm. like i i guess my biggest question would be out of our spike ball crew right now rank the top three oh god (laughs) i'm just kidding i can't do that i can't do that (laughs) i would say you're in it though i'd say you're in the top three i hope so yeah. Yeah. Top five, at least, you know, you know, who's really good is uh Mike who came around for a couple of weeks there. I don't know if he came the last couple of weeks, but Mike is good. Yeah. He, yeah. That guy's nasty. He might be the best, but um, there's, there's some you good. Think there's some, than, you think Mike's better than me, bro? I think I'm better than Mike. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You might be different games, very different games. Different game. So I would say, I would say my game is that I don't have a weak spot in my game. Like, I don't think I'm the best at anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
but my combination of like anticipation and like, you know, like being able to do everything, I like, I think is, I think is my strong part. I think Evan's a big, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think you, you, your rate of improvement is insane. Like, you're, you have the best put away in the game, your lucky cat shot, right? Like that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Yes, there's some good guys out there. Even like like Greg, Greg Cohen. Yeah, Greg's getting really freaking good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Greg's getting sneaky good. You know, I I wish Tim was a little bit better because I know he's going to listen to this and really wish that he was in that top three. <laughs> Tim's in the top. We'll put him in the top five. Yeah, top seven for sure. But uh, one thing's for sure: some of those people that came to the tournament last year, man, yeah. they would smoke any of us all day long. Some of those like 21 year olds that came out of. Uh, the guys that won. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those guys were those Nasty. guys were ringers, but I feel like our level now versus where we were in that first one, like yeah. I think we do some damage now, right? Like I think uh, maybe not those guys, but yeah. I think I think somebody from our spike ball crew is going to get to the semifinals for example or something like that. For sure. Well, I think everybody from our spike ball crew would probably make it to like the, the sweet 16 for so. Yeah. And then yeah. start knocking one another off at that point. Yeah. But. Who's, who's going to make the brackets, Kurt? Are you just going to purposely put me away on a bracket that doesn't have to, that you don't, we don't have to meet in the finals because you're terrified. That's a good question. I'm not going to do that because I'm, I'm not that terrified, but uh, we, we actually, we have to figure out who's going to actually make the bracket. Yeah. We got to figure, figure that out. And then I'm sure it'll just be random random down the board. But I think last year, like I said, we, I think we had, we struggled for a couple of weeks filling all the spots. And then at the end, it kind of was like crazy. Everybody wanted in the tournament this year with all the sponsors and a lot more people organizing it. I think we're going to fill it up pretty quickly. I think so I too. I mean, we got a huge podcast episode coming out promoting it. So that's going to be huge. <laughs> Millions of followers. <laughs> Awesome, man. Good shit, dude. Listen, I, I think number one, I, I think you and I will always be allies in this whole bringing dudes together and bringing people together thing, man. And I'm pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped that you think like this and I'm pumped that this is our first really like official collaborating on, right? Like, I feel like that, I feel like that group that we created to play spike ball on Sundays is, is like our first real collaboration. And yeah. this is more like a, like a real production, man. I think it's going to be really fun, man. Yeah. And I'm stoked that like that spike ball crew came out of the spike ball tournament. Cause that, that was really your, your mastermind at getting that spike ball crew consistently to play with some of the guys from the tournament and you know, wherever. Um, but, but it happened but because of the tournament, right? Like I think it was an unofficial, sure. right? Like because of the tournament, I put that thing together because you were going to do it on a Thursday. You just kind of like threw your support on my think on Sunday and it's really become a thing. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I forgot about the Thursday. Yeah, because we're going to try to play like after work. And then that yeah. that's just, it's impossible once the time changes and the sun is, you know, yeah. going down at five o'clock. But yeah. so I see, I see it very much as a, as a, as a collaboration. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a good group of guys. It, dude, it's an amazing group of guys, man. I'm like, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for this tournament. I'm pumped for the future of that group of guys and like that, the, the group of people that are coming out, man. And on a, on a, on like a personal level, dude, like I, this group, like, I think this, what has stemmed from like you and I working on this group, you know, kind of like coinciding with the yellow bird group, you know, like to me, this, I see this like Venn diagram of what made me feel really at home here, which is this like mm -hmm. yellow bird group, this kind of like JWB thing that I'm doing and 
and and then now our like spike ball group that has really sure. just like I look around and I'm like like I tell people in Miami I'm just like not only do I love Jacksonville but I've made as good a group of friends as I've had anywhere that I've ever lived already and I'm super mm. pumped about it man so like I just don't think it's possible without without this happening man so I just think it's cool awesome man love that right on the key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.